TUC Radio, Time of Useful Consciousness. Women for Peace in Canada, Demands for Ukraine, Stop the Weapons, Stop the War, and Stop NATO. Tamara Lorenz, in a July 1st, 2022 conversation with Bruce Gagnon from Space for Peace. There's a marked difference between the peace movements in Canada and the U.S., Canadian Voice of Women for Peace and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom are campaigning for an end to the war in Ukraine and for an end to weapons shipments. They also demand that Canada withdraw from NATO. Coinciding with the NATO summit in Madrid at the end of June 2022, there were more than a dozen protests against NATO held from coast to coast in Canada. Bruce Gagnon is the coordinator and co-founder of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. He invited Tamara Lorenz for a conversation on her decade-long opposition to NATO, her recent interrupting of Ukraine President Zelensky's live talk to university students in Canada where he urged them to push the government to send more weapons to the war front. Bruce Gagnon also asked her about NATO's new mission to build a global NATO, with plans to move into Latin America, Middle East, and Asia-Pacific, and Tamara Lorenz comments on NATO's attempt to greenwash their massive carbon footprint. Here's Bruce Gagnon. Hi, welcome to another live stream of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. The Global Network was created in 1992 to prevent the arms race from moving into space. Our guest this time is Tamara Lorenz, who's a longtime peace activist in Canada, and she's also a board member of the Global Network. So Tamara, welcome. And please uh, tell us a bit more about yourself, including what groups you work with in Canada. Thank you so much, Bruce, for having me on your show. So I'm an active member of the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace, Canada's oldest national women's peace organization. And I'm also a member of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom Canada. And I'm a researcher with uh, Science for Peace. So I am a longtime peace activist and feminist and environmentalist and trying to bring about uh, positive social change in my country. All right. Now we're going to talk about NATO today, an issue you've been working on for a long time, even before the war in Ukraine began. Why don't you begin uh, with why you have such deep concern about NATO? Well, my opposition uh, to NATO really began in the late 1990s when Canada participated in the illegal NATO bombing of the former Yugoslavia. So Canada participated with NATO in a 78-day bombing campaign of uh, Serbia, Montenegro, Kosovo in 1999. And this was an illegal operation. It did not have the authorization of the United Nations Security Council. And so I was uh, you know, very concerned about this operation. There were protests in Canada. And so that war 
that uh, NATO prosecuted in the former Yugoslavia that Canada was deeply involved in, you know, led me to to pay closer attention to what NATO was doing and to oppose, you know, what NATO has been doing in this post Cold War uh, period since the end of the Soviet Union in 1991 and the collapse of the Warsaw Pact. So I've been I've been paying attention to what NATO has been doing for the past two decades. And it's led me to take a very uh, firm, strong uh, position against the alliance and calling for its abolition. Let's talk about Canada's role in NATO for a moment. Canada has just announced that it will host NATO's Center of Excellence for Climate and Security in Montreal. How does uh, NATO impact the climate? NATO, in my opinion, is the greatest obstacle to progress and achievement of the Paris Agreement. I think it's a climate criminal. It's a military alliance, and it's the militaries of all of our Western countries that are the largest consumers of fossil fuel, largest emitter of carbon emissions. And NATO is really exacerbating the climate catastrophe because of its carbon intensive militarism, all of the weapon systems that NATO relies on, its fighter jets, warships, tanks are notoriously energy inefficient and um, contributing to the climate crisis. And the military spending that NATO demands is money that's not going into climate action and decarbonization. We need a massive investment in uh, renewable technologies, in, in public transit, in uh, retrofitting homes and buildings. And instead, our countries that are a part of this military alliance are spending so much money on buying new weapon systems and engaging in military operations and exercises that are that are contributing to the climate crisis. Um, and, and we're not investing in climate action and environmental protection. So NATO is making the climate much worse. And people are starting to put pressure on uh, NATO to address its carbon emissions, its role in this climate crisis. And so NATO has responded by uh, last year, it announced a climate action plan. It said it's going to reduce its emissions, but it hasn't given any details. And then Canada announced that it would host NATO's Center of Excellence for Climate and Security. And at this NATO uh, summit in Madrid, Canada identified Montreal as the site for this new center of excellence. But listeners should know that Canada is no leader on the climate. In fact, Canada has failed to meet every single climate target. And Canada hosts the dirtiest, biggest uh, oil and gas development in the world. It's called the Alberta Tar Sands. And Canada is we have been increasing our carbon emissions over the past 60 years. So Canada is no leader on climate change. And um, this is really a greenwashing exercise to uh, make uh, NATO look like it's taking some action on climate change, but it really isn't. I mean, we, we simply can't green weapon systems or green warfare. If we're serious about the climate emergency, then we should we should abolish NATO, demilitarize, and get serious about decarbonization. 
I think I saw that uh, NATO's uh, head, Stoltenberg, had made a comment that they were going to start using electric vehicles. I imagine electric tanks or something like that. I mean, it is, as you say, a public relations greenwashing effort, uh, and you're really right on it. Uh, just last week, you helped to organize a series of anti-NATO protests across Canada. Tell us more about those events. Yes, so peace and justice groups across the country, we came together over the past month in the lead up to the NATO summit in Madrid to organize our rallies against the alliance um, in our country. We wanted to be out on the street in public, sending a, a message to the community and to the Trudeau government that we are opposed to this alliance. So from Friday, June 24th until today, there, there were 15 actions across the country from uh, Victoria, British Columbia to Halifax, Nova Scotia, including in Ottawa, uh, our capital, and, and in the biggest city in the country in Toronto and Montreal. And uh, we had a theme, stop the weapons, stop the war, stop NATO. Canada is, is continuing to export uh, weapons to Ukraine, which is prolonging the suffering and you know this terrible war in Ukraine. And uh, we are opposed to NATO expansion and we are calling for Canada to withdraw from the alliance. So we are trying to you know, change the narrative in this country that, that NATO is a defensive alliance that is helping to protect our security. You know, we are saying that the, the record shows otherwise. If you look at what NATO has been doing over the past 30 years, it has been undermining peace and security. It has been engaged in illegal wars of, of aggression. It, it, it has uh, you know, provoked this terrible war that we see in Ukraine. It is pushing Canada's military spending, you know, through the roof. And so it's time for us to say no to NATO and for Canada to get out. During this uh, period of time this past week that you're referring to, uh, you interrupted a big event at a university that was featuring a speech by Ukraine President Zelensky. You appeared to get a lot of media, including, I think, a uh, a big photo in an article in uh, what the Toronto Star. Can you talk about your action, what happened and how it was received? So it was a week before the NATO summit on Wednesday, June 22nd, President Zelensky uh, through live stream gave an address to 10 uh, universities. So he was speaking directly to students at 10 universities. And this big live stream event was coordinated by the Monk School of Public Policy at the University of Toronto. And it was uh, organized in close partnership with the federal government. And this live stream event had cameras that were positioned uh, showing the students in all 10 of these universities. And there was a camera at my university. So it, it was a joint event with the University of Waterloo and Wilfrid Laurier uh, University. And I'm a PhD candidate at Wilfrid Laurier University. I'm at uh, 
the Bolsili School of International Affairs, and I'm in uh, the conflict and security cluster. And I've been, you know, following uh, international affairs and armed conflict very closely. You know, particularly what my country, Canada, is doing and what NATO is doing. And so, you know, I was concerned about about this event. I was concerned that the federal government was working closely with President Zelensky of Ukraine, you know, to speak uh, to students. And I was concerned that this was a propaganda exercise. And I had actually watched President Zelensky's uh, address to the students at Stanford University about a week prior. And in that address to students in the United States, he was calling for students to support more weapons to Ukraine. And uh, sure enough, that's what took place. And the person who introduced President Zelensky was our deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland. And Christia Freeland was Canada's former uh, minister of foreign affairs. And she was integral in, in shaping Canada's very, um, uh, very aggressive policy against Russia. And, and she was the one that introduced President Zelensky. And, uh, just as as Christia Freeland started to speak, I got up in the auditorium of my university and I had a banner that was rolled up and I unfurled it and it said, Trudeau, Freeland, Anand and Jolie. This is our prime minister, our minister, our deputy prime minister, our minister of foreign affairs and our minister of defense. The banner says, stop lying, stop sending weapons stop the war, stop NATO, peace in Ukraine, peace with Russia. And there's a big stop sign that says stop the war. So I unfurled this banner. I held it up in front of the camera uh, of my university. And so for about a minute, all of the students uh, across the country at the different universities could see me standing um, up at my university with the sign that stopped the war. And I stood up with the sign as Christia Freeland was speaking, because because I knew what Christia Freeland would you, you know was going to say. She's been saying for weeks that Canada needs to support Ukraine in fighting this war against Russia. We we need to be uh, sending more lethal aid, and that's exactly what she said in her introductory mar remarks at this event. She said that Canada is sending you know 1.7 billion dollars. Uh, to Ukraine to help finance this war. She said Canada has been sending uh, weapons and is going to be sending heavy weapons to Ukraine. And she said that we are going to be fighting Russia in Ukraine for as long as it takes. And that's exactly why I stood up to oppose that. And then after, as I was uh, standing with my sign for about a minute, the camera to the University of Waterloo was shut, was shut off. And then as President Zelensky started speaking, I walked down to the front of the auditorium and I turned in front of all of the students and the faculty and the staff in the room with my sign um, so that they could see me holding the sign saying, stop the war. So as President Zelensky was speaking, I had, I had my sign up. And then uh, the camera was shut off completely to my university. So I rolled up my sign. I sat down in the auditorium, but I had another sign that I put out across my desk that was a big 
a big stop sign that said stop the war so that the cameras could never turn back on to the University of Waterloo. But I totally disrupted the live stream to the event. Um, it caused the University of Toronto to have to, uh, to pause. Uh, Christia Freeland, you could see, is distracted for a moment as she's speaking. And the the University of Toronto had to edit and, and repost the, the live stream event to YouTube because of this disruption. But I really wanted to set an example, not just for the students, but for the public to have courage to speak out, to say, no, this isn't right. Yeah, students should not be manipulated in this way. Uh, be be confronted with this propaganda to, to try to support a war that's that's immoral and that's illegal. Canada should be calling for a ceasefire, diplomacy, and for peace. That's what the university should be supporting. They shouldn't be supporting an address from our deputy prime minister and the president of Ukraine calling for more weapons and for prolonging this war. It's only hurting Ukraine. It's hurting Russia, but it's also hurting um, everyone on this planet. And it's also a very likely trigger for nuclear war, because we're talking about a nuclear power in Russia. And when the U.S. and NATO and the U.K. are talking about keeping this war going for a long, long time, uh, there is no doubt about it that it's going to expand. That's what they want. Uh, they want regime change in Russia, I believe, because they want to uh, grab a hold of the vast resource base that Russia has. You know, all the wars, U.S. and NATO wars, are always about resources. And this is one more resource war. And Bruce, uh, that's a very good point. Uh, two quick things to say to that. Uh, in 2019, the Canadian government held the Ukraine Reform Conference in Toronto. Zelensky was there. And if you look carefully at the agenda and you look carefully at the participants, it is precisely about uh, looking at Ukrainian uh, resources and land um, with a long term view uh, for Russia. I mean, Russia is the largest country on the planet. It has immense natural resource wealth and land. And there is no doubt that uh, Canadian, American, you know, uh, uh, Western corporations are eyeing that wealth. And then the other important point uh, uh, to make on nuclear weapons, a week before the NATO summit in Madrid, there was a very important uh, nuclear disarmament meeting in Vienna, but Canada snubbed that meeting entirely. This, this was the first meeting of the parties on the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. And Canada is not signing this important new treaty to ban nuclear weapons because of our membership in NATO. And in fact, Canada did not even send any diplomats to attend or observe this really important meeting. But instead, we sent a, you know, a big delegation to the NATO summit. And, and NATO is a nuclear armed military alliance, you know, very much dominated and dictated by the United States. There are five... Uh, NATO European countries that have U.S. nuclear weapons uh, stationed in, in their countries. We, we are moving missile defense, you know, closer to uh, to Russia's border, uh, in, you know, in Poland, which is extremely pr provocative. And this war in Ukraine could 
escalate and risk nuclear war. This is a, another reason why we were out on the streets in Canada this past week in solidarity with European activists and activists on the streets of Madrid saying this war needs to stop because we know about the nuclear risk. It's not just uh, Poland that the U.S. has established uh, launch bases. It's also Rom Romania. And at these launch facilities that are called Aegis Ashore, uh, they do have these missile defense, so-called missile defense systems, whose job would be to intercept Russian retaliatory strikes after a U.S. first strike attack. But in addition, all they have to do at these two facilities in Poland and Romania is turn a switch and they can fire first strike attack Tomahawk cruise missiles that are nuclear capable that would be able to reach Russia in a, just a few minute time. So these are extremely provocative. It's a Cuban missile crisis in reverse. And another thing I want to say is that on the day that this war started in February, late February, on the very same day, NATO was running a war game up in the Arctic region called Cold Response, uh, beginning in uh, Norway. So Nor Norway uh, touches Russia. They have borders that touch one another. So uh, it's really clear that NATO is trying to provoke Russia repeatedly with all of their war games, their expansion, and everything else. You mentioned... Krista Freeland, could you talk briefly about her history? She's Ukrainian, right? Her family was from Ukraine. Yes. Krista uh, Freeland, our deputy prime minister, is from a Ukrainian family. She grew up in Alberta, where there is, there is a large Ukrainian diaspora. Uh, well, they were investigating Christia Freeland's family's background. They, they had some concerns and they discovered that her grandfather was overseeing, editing a, a, a newspaper that was aligned with the German Nazis during the Second World War. And she is now a, a very a close with and supporting this big, uh, very conservative uh, right-wing Ukrainian diaspora association called the Ukrainian Canadian Congress. And the UCC um, has partnered with Freeland on uh, many uh, events and webinars and statements in the lead up to uh, Russia's invasion, very much provoking uh, Russia you know, for instance, before the invasion on the 24th, the UCC and uh, Freeland made statements that, um, you know, we need to send uh, military aid to Ukraine, you know, no diplomacy uh, with Russia. And Freeland, along with the UCC, has really been ramping up this uh, Russia phobic, this anti-Russia uh, rhetoric in Canada. And and like she said at the Zelensky event, she wants Canada to fight alongside Ukraine against Russia for as long as it, as it takes. You know, this is our deputy prime minister, not, uh, you know, not calling for a peace and a political yeah. resolution to the crisis. 
Yeah. Uh, on June 25th, the New York Times ran a big story about the CIA directing this U.S.-NATO proxy war in Ukraine. Uh, can you comment on this, please? We were very concerned when we got the announcement in January that Canada had special had sent special forces to Ukraine with no parliamentary or public oversight. So we, uh, you know, we know from this New York Times article that Canadian special forces have been for months in Ukraine. Uh, they are helping on the ground with uh, weapon systems, with with moving weapons, uh, with training. But listeners should also know that for the past seven years, you know, Canada has been arming and training Ukrainian security forces, including extreme ultranationalists, very violent, fascistic uh, contingents of the Ukrainian security forces, the Azov Battalion, Adar, Centuria. And this was in a George Washington University report report that came out in September of 2021. So uh, what Canada has been doing in Ukraine um, over the past seven years and currently is very dangerous, very deadly and very destructive. Yeah. And at the same time, the U.S. was sending its special forces, army troops from Fort Carson, Colorado to a base in western Ukraine. I'm sure it was the same base that Canada was rotating troops in and out of as well uh, because it was a U.S. NATO operation. So they've been literally training and arming and directing these so-called uh, Ukrainian army forces since 2014, since the coup happened. That's and, right. Uh, and Canada also has an electronic warfare unit in Eastern Europe. And we know from press that has come out that that Canada and the United States have launched aggressive cyber attacks against Russia. Yeah, uh, we only have about two minutes left. Uh, so I'd like in one minute, if you could comment on this, NATO is wishing to expand into Latin America, Asia Pacific and the Middle East. What's the ultimate goal in NATO? If you can do that in one minute, please. Well, the ultimate goal is to preserve, you know, Western uh, domination to preserve this capitalist militaristic system that is enriching the elite, that is enriching the military industrial complex. My country, the United States, uh, makes a lot of money off of weapons and war, and, and NATO is the institution that help enables and facilitates this. This is why it's so important for peace groups around the world to to come together, to to be uh, in solidarity, to have courage to say uh, no to NATO, yes to peace. We need to abolish the alliance. Thank you, Tamara. That was excellent. And uh, thanks, everybody, for watching this edition of Space Alert. We'll do another show next month with another leader from the peace movement. And that was Bruce Gagnon, co-founder and coordinator of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space. His conversation with Tamara Lorenz covered the demands by the Canadian Women for Peace for Ukraine. Stop the weapons, stop the war, and stop NATO. They spoke on July 1st, 2022. Tamara Lorenz is a member of Canadian Voice of Women for Peace and of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom. She also is a member of the advisory board of 
World Beyond War and a PhD candidate in Global Governance at the School for International Affairs. You can find this conversation on YouTube under the title Canadian Tamara Lewins on Opposition to NATO. And please visit the website of the Global Network Against Weapons and Nuclear Power in Space under spaceforpeace.org. That's space number four peace.org. You can hear this program again for free on TUC Radio's website, tucradio.org. Look at the newest programs or the podcast page. My name is Maria Gelarden. Thank you for listening.